AFLW Fantasy Podcast. Full gang here today. I'm joined by Liam and Will. How's it going, Will? Oh, I'm going very well, thank you. How are you going, Mel? I'm also good. And Liam? Uh, I'm not as good. <laughs> it was not a great fantasy weekend for me. Yet again, I'm getting shades of Season 7 again with progressively worse weeks, but I'm going to keep forging ahead. I've got some thoughts this week that I need to get off my chest, some good players that I want to talk about, so I'm trying to stay positive. What was your favourite moment from the weekend? Is there a positive in there? Oh, it's Laura Gardner, 151. <laughs> like, if it's anything else, I'm lying. I can't even be like, oh, it was the Bombers win because we got smacked by Adelaide and was never particularly close outside of the first quarter. Oh, and Will? My real highlight was the first half of the Geelong North Melbourne game because if you take that in isolation, <laughs> we're looking like premiership favourites. And then the second half happened and uh, that's that's about it. So You're like live stream um, commentary during yeah. that game. I was like, ooh. <laughs> I was very nervous watching that first half because I have made it clear in different places that I'm like very hot on North mm. Melbourne being like the team to win the comp. Yeah. And oof, and the that first... was rough watch. They couldn't get in the forward line. I'm going to yep. put it down to the fact there was no Kate Shearlaw. Their ba- forward ba- structure looked real bad. It was basically a tale of two halves where the class of North Melbourne in the second half was just a bit stronger than the younger Cats team in the first half. But, oh, gee, I, that first half got me got me really, really excited and then just sort of slowly petered away from that point. But regardless, still a very exciting weekend of football. So I can't be... I can't be too unhappy, especially because they did bring it uh, for at least a half against one of the best at teams. At least a half. I like that. Moderate expectations. Yeah, <laughs> so my highlight was I've actually changed my number one favourite player and I felt that I had to tell a lot of people about this on the weekend. This is big news for me. Mon Conti, adore her, but she has slipped to my second favourite because someone I've been very excited about watching and big in support of from a fantasy and a football perspective for a couple of years now. Anya Tig had a massive game. She was absolutely everywhere. She's really tall, which we all know, but because she's so tall, she can she is do really a bit. Tall. She is really tall. That is a throwback to a very insightful comment I made on the pod last season. Um, but she she rucks a bit, and then they put her forward, and she kicks goals. And then when Freya were getting a little bit nervous at the end of the game, maybe she goes back, and she's just an unstoppable tool there as well. What what a woman to watch. And I just remember Anya Tig was someone that was a pod for you when you won a hat in season six. You were one of the few people that took a chance when we did not know enough about the rookie rucks to pick. And you took a stab on this Irish woman off the back of two ACL injuries <laughs> from Fremantle. Turns out she's pretty yeah, good at football. Yeah, turns out she's pretty good. Back when she was actually listed as a ruck, so she was my ruck the whole season. Um, so watched her intently being like, oh God, this is a specky. Let's hope this doesn't let me down. Um, and then kept watching her <laughs> since then because she's really good at football. Yeah, so maybe talking about things that aren't as good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to go to our fantasy scores? Liam, I feel like you're the most passionate about your scores and you've slipped a little bit. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes, I have slipped again. again? So yeah. I scored 1,411 points, which put me at round rank of 3,500-ish. And my rank slipped out by 170 out to 528. Bit of a met weekend for me and my pods unfortunately Ash Riddell on the Friday night putting in just a a mountain of effort to be in front of Georgie Prasparkas at the stoppage which really was part of the reason why North looks so good is that Georgie was having to do a lot more to get easy possession but it meant she only had a score in the 70s and then 
Annalise Lister spent her entire time about a foot away from Monconti not tackling her because Monconti actually didn't have that much of the ball. And then it was just like a bit a bit meh all around. So like Phillips wasn't great. Malloy was quiet, which we'll talk about later. But outside of my true superstar, it's uh, it wasn't a great weekend for me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, still almost top 500, so still doing pretty good. But yeah, by your standards, especially from your earlier weeks, a bit disappointing. Will, how about you? That's a huge score. Yeah, I'm getting excited because if last season's anything to go off, now's the time of the year where I suck away Liam's, you know, fantasy aura and steal it for myself. Because last season, about mid-year, we st- we sort of crossed paths in the middle. So I'm hoping that trend can continue. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pretty happy with my round this week. I scored 15-16, uh, which was a, a round rank of 372, uh, which actually put me up over a 1,000 uh, ranking to 1,414. Uh, so pretty pretty happy with that round. And um, basically, I benefited from essentially the things that didn't quite go right for Liam, which is I didn't have a lot of those highly owned players that didn't quite perform as well, like, you know, the, the Phillips and those sorts of players. I had a few more um, more unique players, which which did me pretty well. Um, so, yeah, pretty, pretty happy with this week. That sounds like a very... <laughs> Funny way to you've literally framed everything in contradiction to Liam. It, it, it's, oh, it's exactly Liam and it I. It really am, is wow. like chips passing in the yeah. night. You say we were like close yeah. to each other last year. It was within one week. Week round four, we it's just went woof, completely past each yeah. other a million miles. Yeah, we're basically the antithesis of each other. So we're, we're we're at that stage of the year, which makes me excited because I go from being really crap at the start of the season to just cheekily slowly working my way back. And unfortunately for Liam, it's often due to his misfortune. Yep. I can just feel it in my bones and happy down. Pure bad luck that just slaps you one my, week. Basically, now is the time when I say, Liam, who are you trading out this week? Because that's hopefully going to be the Abby Derrick for the rest of us. Oh. <laughs> well, Will, I'll have you know that I'm currently trading in Daisy Darcy. So mm, if she ah, sucks, she it sucks for you. No, too. no. She's the one that I started with. No. She's going to have to go. I'm sorry, Will. I actually thought you were going to say you were going to trade in Abby Darrick this week, and I thought, wouldn't that be <laughs> something some, like, incredible <laughs> oh, parallels? Not that mad, but that would be very good. <laughs> um, I oh, had a... Very good. I'm just going to throw it to myself now. I had a pretty okay week. I've moved up a couple more spots, which is nice, so I'm, I'm inching closer to something that is respectful. Um, I got a 14.52. I think that was, like, second highest in our league, but unfortunately I was versing you, Will, so I still lost because... <laughs> That yeah. was a huge score. <laughs> yeah, that was very unfortunate for you. I know, stitch up. Um, my overall rank is in the 1700, so getting there. Um, and I moved up, yeah, almost 300 spots or so. It was also a kind of kind of a middling round for me. I, nothing really exciting happened except for the fact that I could have avoided my trades and done better. Um, Riddell to Bowers, nice. that was a lot of money for not a lot of extra points. Sheeran to Darcy, a bit more money, less points. And Goldsworthy, who had a huge one, to Huntington, who had the opposite of a huge one. So sometimes, you know how you wish you just didn't do your trades? Yeah, it was definitely a week for me. But oh well, it's done. Why don't we move on to something a bit more positive? Who is your Kiara Bowers plus for the week? Liam, I think we already know who it is, but tell us again. How good is Laura Gardner? She's just a freak. Like, Brisbane were meant to be the hard matchup. It was meant to be the week where it was like, all right, she's going to come back down to earth. The hundreds can't keep going on forever. 
What she does instead is nearly breaks the record for possessions in a game. She still has five marks and she still has eight tackles. And she got coaches' votes. I made the call that she was this year's Abby, um, Abby Mackay, but she could be even better. She's clearly F1 at the moment, and it's not even particularly close because she is currently the second highest averaging player in the comp. So wow. all the way back in April when we did our trade show, we undersold it by a million, but we were still on the Laura Gardner case because she is a jet. 41 disposals. Like, we knew she could do it, and so she's finally got the opportunity. And, I mean, we were looking at this earlier before we started this saying that something like only 33% of the competition mm. actually own her. She's pretty much now at the stage where if you don't get her now, if if that's in your trade plans, she's probably going to be too expensive for you to bring in easily very she's, soon. She's actually too expensive. Yeah. She's made so much money. Yeah. Yep. She went up like... She's made the most money. Yeah. Yep. She... Easily. Easily the most money. And she, the only reason she's affordable now is because she's probably one big jump away from being like top price. In terms of the competition, not just her top price, just the competition. But I also think she's the litmus test this year because I think something like 97% of teams have her in the top 1,000. So mm. if you've managed to actually hold in the top 1,000 without her, you are doing a bloody good effort because she is... Yep. You you have picked pretty much every other player you need, basically. But yes, that's my plus four. Nice. Even if she is owned by yeah. everybody, I have that extra little warmth in my heart for watching her just rack it up. She's so good. It's just ridiculous. We might put like a Bowers like ban on Gardner next week because I think we spent about <laughs> five minutes talking about her every episode and it must be pretty repetitive. So <laughs> I think I think we should just have a we should just have a disclaimer at the start of the episode. Lord Gardner is great, even if we don't say it in this episode. And that's it. <laughs> oh gosh. Um Will. Yeah. I kind of looked at my team to pick my plus four and pretty much all of my team did well or about expected so the, the the player i've actually given my plus four to this week is actually emma swanson who scored a 97 which is good not super but the reason i picked emma swanson because at the start of this round i was like thinking oh do i do i trade her to one of the big guns or do i do i just hold her for another week and so i ended up holding her i was originally planning on trading her to charlie robottom so i ended up getting about 20 more points there for a Ooh. fair bit more mm. money I kept her after the the Bowers fiasco that we've talked about at length. Very happy with the 97. So, Emma Swanson, thank you very much. Fantastic. And I'm going to put my plus four on uh, Neve McLaughlin, which Liam has already pointed out to me. He's not a very uh, AFLM fantasy-like pick, but she is on my bench and she scored 35, but she's still my player of the week because she is just amazing to watch. You can... As soon as she gets the ball, even if you're not directly watching the game, she will pull your attention over because she just runs straight down the middle. She's fearless. She literally pushes off tackles every most times, except I think maybe one on the weekend. And she's just so strong. You can tell she's going to be amazing really soon. She doesn't get the ball that often. So like when she does, it's very impressive. And that's why her to still get 35 regardless is is great. And she's one that I think, in the same way that Will kept calling players a season too early forever, um, I reckon I'm probably on the Neve McLaughlin bandwagon a season too early, but maybe she'll be the new co-vice captain or something next season, seeing as we keep managing to pick those ones out. <laughs> we just have to interview her. That's how that works, remember? Neve McLaughlin is someone that I actually think would be, if she was 23, someone that we would be looking at as a forward who could really dominate because... 
she doesn't score that many points, but she has high disposals. And I think that might be just something that that kind of accumulation of marks and tackles to get bigger scores is something you probably get a little bit more over time. Her usage of the ball is incredible. She's a great player to watch. Mm. It's just unfortunate that she's kind of rocked up to play AFLW when she's 30. So might never hit that same peak. But yeah, I, I fully understand why you picked her. She's a bloody fascinating player to watch. Mm. And I'm actually going to be unconventional again and skip my Scotty negative one flop of the week and instead mention another player that I really like, uh, which is Anya Tag, who I've already kind of spoken about a bit. But she scored 118. Just fact-checking myself there. Yes, she scored 118, which is huge for her to be getting over the hundreds. That's definitely bumped her price up a lot by 129 grand. But she is now up there with the top forwards, and I don't know necessarily if she is fantasy relevant, but I think she just deserves a shout out for being amazing. I, I think she is fantasy relevant and we're going to have a conversation about Bonnie too good later. And I think the thing that makes her relevant is A, high marks in a team that doesn't have other good mark, like marking targets. And secondly, they're both players that get thrown behind the ball if the game is going poorly, which really mm. insulates you from that kind of key forward shit score, the 40 that gives you nightmares because the ball is never yeah. there bonnie yeah. and then Anya both get thrown behind the ball and they've got beautiful sets of hands and a very good kicks to the footy so they yeah. are actual pods because you don't think of them naturally as someone you'd want to trade in but they've both got roles now that make them a point of difference that i think you could mm. jump on if the if the run is good less than two percent selected at the moment so there you go now people that follow um actual rules of podcasts. Liam, why don't you tell us about your page Scott flop of the week? Yeah, my page Scott goes to Annalise Lister. I've already had a bit of a a complaint about this one. She only scored a 41 for me and that was a gift after she kicked a goal off a free kick off a tackle and even they don't only just got over the line. They were not... The GWS game style was horrendous to watch on the weekend like they were very, very inefficient going forward. Um, when they got it inside their forward fifty, they were kind of actually able to do some really nice things. But yeah, they they decided that Tiny Evans leading the competition for meters gained. No, we don't want her kicking the ball as much anymore. And Lister as well was just getting kicked over all the time. Was not in possession chains, and running around after Monconti is a pretty hard gig, and just wasn't getting enough tackles either. The kind of tackles that we saw when they played in round one. Mm. Okay, if you were to put a pun to describe this situation, what would you choose? Uh, this is a B-list call from me. Oh, okay. That's not where I thought I was going, <laughs> but that's good. I like it. And Will? My page Scott for this week, unfortunately, goes to one of my favourite players, Darcy Maloney. Um, second straight 40. That first week seems to have been a bit of an anomaly against uh, the Bulldogs where everyone seemed to score really highly. So she's back to scoring 40s. Um, so basically, I'm just going to bank that money and move her on to probably one of the, the higher averaging mm. forwards, which it's fantastic that we've got a bit of a conversation to have about that later in this episode, because that's something that I might be listening very intently to while I talk about it myself. <laughs> You're like, mm, I'll make some trade plans. Um, do you want to run us through the watch and wait scoreboard real quick there, Will? Absolutely. So watch and wait. We've got a new leader. So our, our good friend from last week has been knocked off. So the top score was by Mummy McNamara, who is on 
4,598 points. Big, big score there. The top 100 marker is at 4,422 by one of the best-named teams in the whole thing, which is Bocconcini Benici. Beautiful. And what was what Liam and I were, were super happy about, and Mel as well, because she's a, she's a stats girl, uh, was that the score to stay in the top 100 this week was 14.59. And you know who happened to score 14.59? Bocconcini Benici. <laughs> Bang. So that's how they've stayed in the top 100. So in terms of our free kick league, um, the highest in our league is currently Sean and the Mighty Ducks, who's ranked four overall. And what's super exciting is that the number of coaches in the top 100 in our league continues to rise. We now have a third of our league, 34 of our coaches are in the top 100. So it's super exciting to see that people who are following us are doing well. Mm, You do love to see that. Um, despite the fact that none of us are yet in there or, or close, no. actually, we can add that now. We're not, none of us are close. Liam's around the top hundred mark for, for our league. I am a hundred points, hundred points outside of the top oh, 100. Really? Okay. That's, that's a good yeah. captain pick or something. Okay. Well, I would like you to get in there, please, so that we can have a bit yep. more confidence in the recommendations we make on the pod. <laughs> Project Get Liam in Top 100. We need to arrest your backward slide, which we, we don't want to mirror last year. We, we need you to go be going forward. Thank you. Uh, I think I've I've got some good trades uh, cooking this week. So oh, good. I've got some, I've got some thoughts. Fantastic. Well, time for um, our hot topics. The first one we've got here is the Mel special as such, the Rookie Rip Around. Rookie Rip Around. Yes, with Lisp and all. So... I just wanted to have a quick chat because we're three rounds in now. We've seen some debutantes come through and how good have they been? Are they targets um, or are they someone you picked up that you're spearing to have and who might be bringing in for downgrade targets going forward? And this will kind of fit in with what we're going to do next, which is having a look at who are some of the midfielders that you, or at least elites that you might be upgrading to. So this is kind of like downgrade targets, upgrade targets. So... When I was being silly earlier today, I decided to rate, rank their performance in terms of snazziness. Um, no idea why that came from. But anyway, I've got here the snazzy players, the not-so-snazzy players, and the snares that are potentially snazzy in the future. So <laughs> The snares that are potentially <laughs> snazzy. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, so snazzy. We've got Aron Fitzpatrick, who I'm spewing that I didn't bring in. She debuted in round one. She ma- She's already made a lot of money. She looks like she's getting better. Forward for Carlton, averaging 43. I might just rattle off a couple of these names and then you guys let me know if you've got any thoughts on them. Neve McLaughlin, oh, surprise, it's my favourite player. Already kind of spoken about her, but I think she's a decent downgrade option just because I think she's going to be fairly consistently getting getting those scores. Someone for your bench for sure, Liam? Oh, uh, yeah, I was just going to say uh, Aron Fitzpatrick is 462k, but because she had her a really great score last week, she will probably still have a low break mm. even. And... Doesn't have a particularly hard matchup this week with Richmond. Yes, that's a good reason, Pico. Ariana Hetherington. This is someone that I randomly was mentioning on the pod last week who actually turned out to be a pretty good trade-in target. Turns out when we got some of those break-even stats later, she had a fairly low break-even, which is always good to see. She debuted in round one, and the reason I was mentioning her last week is because it looked like she had more than... Like, or she was taking away some of those hitouts from Wilstra, who wasn't really doing them, as well as Mim Strom, who's just being elite everywhere else and not taking as many hitouts. So she seems to have been getting about averaging more than 50% of the hitouts from what I can see on DFS. I reckon she's still a good one to trade in. But Liam, did you trade her in and did that 
did you have any like negative experiences or she's she's fine her time on ground is relatively low mm. it's at like 50 60 percent she did look actually okay getting around the ground i think she might have scored a 29 or a 30 points on the weekend um and she started the round at 300k even though she played that one game and had the 41 the week yes. before so i think I'm, I'm looking to just ride her up to 400k and then probably trade her out down to to another mm. ruck probably a red dot at that point but for the time being, I think she looked better than either of the Davises or, you know, comparable to some degree to Erin Hall. Yeah, she did look like a glitch. Like, how do you score 41 and not have your price go up? That was something else I was like, yeah, something something's broken, broken there, there, but it's a good opportunity to take advantage of this. And then the other couple of players I had, I mean, I say that I didn't actually trade her in in the end, but I like the idea. Um the other couple of players, we had a bunch of midfielders who debuted in round three with pretty decent scoring. Um, Paris McCarthy, 81% time on ground, and she's someone that Will and I have been excited about since we spoke to Mike Rain in the Irish episode. Charlie Wicksteed from Richmond getting 33. Caitlin Pope, 37 from Port Adelaide. And Aurora Smith, 49 from the Bulldogs. Do you guys have any thoughts on any of these or additional names? Uh, I think Caitlin Pope was someone that even though she only had 37 she would be someone that I would be looking at because she did look like she had an impact on that game, particularly in the second half when Port Adelaide really put together a match-winning score and she's played at the level before. And I think she's averaged something like 16 touches each of the last couple of years in the Sandville W. Mm. So she's definitely an option for me. And I think with Aurora Smith, that might be her highest fantasy score at any level ever. So just like a little flag there, I think she might have had like a couple of 40s at the VFLW level. Yeah, she had a no. She had a thirty-five and a thirty-three in her VFLW mm. games. So great score. Love a bit of forty-nine. She's probably a trading target if you think she can score some thirties because she'll make a bit mm. of cash. But just a warning. I I don't know if she's going to do it every week. Yeah, that's good intel. Will any thoughts on these guys? Yeah, Aurora Smith, the one that sort of interests me, probably less from a um, fantasy point of view than I just guess a football point of view. Good to be see her coming back from quite a serious injury. She was noted in her draft year for being an accumulator. Whether that translates to the higher levels um, coming off an injury and as a young player. So it's one of those ones where if she can keep scoring 40s, you're going to make a decent amount of money and you can trade her out later. I don't think you're probably going to be expecting much more than that. Not a bad option, put it that way. I, I was just going to say that I think the real toss-up this week is for going for that first or second game player like a McCarthy, Popper or Smith, or paying up a little bit extra for someone in that 400k who had a big game last week, who's probably still going to make that cash, but has better role and job security. So I'm looking at a Maggie Gorham who had a 69 and who's averaging 50 for the year and has actually looked good and has Gold Coast this week. And Charlotte Mullins, who was someone that we talked about right before the start of the season uh, in our final like 24 hours before we started mm. the show. It was a recommendation from yes, Jono who had an 80 on the weekend and went up 153K. Huge. So her break-even is going to be really, really low. Now, I hate the fact she plays north this mm. week, but if you were trying to say downgrade and you did not need to make the kind of 300, 400K from a Gene Nance gone down or a Ty Smith down and you wanted to just bank about 100 or a little bit more than that, if you wanted to go down to a Mullins, she could still generate cash for you. Yep. Nice. I like it. So on the not so 
not so snazzy list. <laughs> um, why do I keep picking these difficult to say things? We've got Izzy Huntington, which I think we have all felt the pain of. Um, she was one that we got excited to see that she was coming back um, after some time off for an injury and had a slow start. What I'm curious to hear from you guys, do you think that this is something that she's going to pick up on or is this just what we're going to likely see? Poor. Look, first came back from a knee injury. I mean, we saw it with T. Smith. 29, mm. scored really well next week. Key forward role, much different. Mm. Goes up against a pretty strong team in Adelaide this week. Like, I'm hopeful that she'll build. I don't think we'll be expecting, you know, all of a sudden she's going to average 60. If you've got her, it's probably not worth trading her out at the moment because she hasn't made any money. It's kind of a sideways trade. You may as well hope she scores a bit better this week. I feel for some of the people who thought that it might be a good idea to field her this week, put it that way. I'm of the mind that it's going to take a few weeks for her to get up to speed, but then also a few weeks for GWS to remember how to play um, half-decent football. Um, yeah. And and actually trying to incorporate them into the game plan because Garnett looks lost to last year. For whatever reason, they decided that Jody Hicks could kick it as far as Tani Evans. Their game plan was all over the place on the weekend. And I think it'll be a few weeks before Izzy Huntington becomes that marking target because she was so close like three or four times on the weekend to being that outlet and they just couldn't hit her or was just going to the slot in the wrong place. I think long-term I trust her instincts to get to those 40s and those 50s. Unless your team is absolutely amazing, I don't think we really have an option because she didn't make any money. She's still 300 grand uh, and she is 13% owned, which is quite high. So we probably just have to cop her until she makes some money and then trade her out for some of the debuts later. Otherwise, kind of a waste of a trade. Alary Morris, who looks very good for Collingwood, um, but actually not that well, she's good for Collingwood on Collingwood on the scoreboard, but not that good in fantasy points. But she's one that is great to be watching. Um, and Zoe Wackfer, who uh, we kind of a few people got excited about coming into this game because the second Wackfer twin was there. She didn't score very well. You would think by having a defender for West Coast that that's probably where the points are, but um, I don't know if it was a time on ground thing, but didn't do particularly well, so wouldn't be picking her up. We had a question about Emily Everest. Is she a play? I'd probably say no, just because she's had one big week, but we probably discounted because she's coming in off only four games in last season, but she wasn't scoring particularly well there. And kind of to like Liam and Will's points earlier, you can be bringing them in for the cash gen opportunities on your bench, but there's probably better cash gen opportunities than her. Thoughts, guys? Agreed. Lovely. And then potentially snazzy in the future. Liam, a couple of your faves here. Leah Cutting debuted in round three. She lost money despite having quite a good score, probably just because she was coming in quite expensive from previous experience. So if she can keep losing money from break-evens and whatnot, she could be one to bring mm. in later because she just is a bit of a known entity there. I'm a big fan of Leah Cutting and big fan of the Bombers, and I think if she had the role, she'd be a great pick. I get the sense from what was said after the game that the Bombers did that to counter Caitlin Gould and Jess Allen and the tools at Adelaide, and it's not going to be a week-to-week yeah, thing. Okay. Sorry, it's not going to be a role that goes on for the rest of the year. Okay. Interesting. Good intel. Also got down here, Mia Bush uh, debuted in round one, had a big score last week, and Liam, you were saying around cash gen, she's kind of making it up now after finally getting a big score, so she's probably one that you'd keep if you've already got her just because she's going to keep making some money. Yep. Um, Poppy Bolts, was that you, Liam? Yeah, that's one I just wanted to talk about. She admittedly did not score amazingly on the weekend, only had a 28, but going up against North Melbourne, 
I can see some high scores for defenders, but then also the next uh, kind of few games in the Brisbane Lions run for defenders are all pretty good. So I'm of the mind that uh, if you're going to look to get her in, she's still only at 327k. I think she's someone that can actually score all right. She looks pretty talented. We know that in her Quaffle W days, she's a midfielder, so can accumulate. Yep, she's a good one. And the last one I thought that we could chuck in here, which <laughs> Liam and I were umming and ahhing about mentioning, is Laura Elliott, so a midfielder from Hawthorne. I only just got a new laptop this morning, so I don't have Excel. So my analysis for my trade so far is just vibes, and I've just been looking at some numbers being like, yeah, they look okay. I was looking at Laura Elliott, and I was like, she's probably going to have very low dollars per point. I reckon she's going to have a low break even. She's doing pretty well for what she's priced at, pretty consistently, decently scoring, not that expensive so far. Probably a good trade-in. She's not quite a rookie, potentially snazzy in the future. I think she's one that is going to be a good bench opportunity for me when I'm trading down. Um, I'm going to do some like really big midfield trades to get up to a couple of premiums. And I think she's one that you can save 500 grand on if you're trading down from a midfielder. I think uh, Laura Elliott looked good. I paid a bit of extra attention to her after she'd had the 63 the week before. Looks to have a really safe pair of hands in defense and is a bit of a link player for Hawthorne. So I really liked what she'd done. A little bit more expensive though, so you are taking a risk. But I think if Jade, when Jaden's uh, projected break evens come out, I have a feeling it'll be below 30s. Uh, and that should be pretty good. Liam, you've flagged a couple of players here that are injured that you want to make note of so we are aware of the potential decrease in scoring next week. Yes. the uh, There was, unfortunately, to, to some really fan-favourite players. So the first one we want to talk about is Alyssa Bannon, who both injured her ankle and I reckon got concussed in the same play. It's a copped shoulder to the face. Alyssa Bannon is not the most fantasy-relevant player out there. She is listed as a forward and has come up maybe once or twice as a question should we trade her in. But I think the bigger impact is on Melbourne's structure. Her speed overall and her ability to get back towards goal really does make Melbourne's structure kind of one of a kind and, and allows a lot of their other midfielders to get really high up the ground to create space out the back to allow Alyssa Bannon to run onto that. Alyssa Bannon's gone for some period of time. The ankle looked pretty bad. What does that mean? I have a feeling it could mean some more time sitting in the forward line for Kate Hoare and Taylor Harris, possibly Paxi Paxman if they're playing as a forward as well. I think we kind of saw that as well. Didn't see kind of massive scores from Kate Hoare after that injury in the second quarter, I believe, to Alyssa Bannon. Just something to flag. It could have just been a bit of overanalysis from me, but I definitely had my eyes out for what Mm, that did to Kate Hoare's role. The next injury is one that we've not had confirmed. And I don't know if you guys are watching this, but Elise Parker right at the end of the game went down and she looked in a lot of pain and they were testing her knee stability. So it was already, she did, she'd actually managed to score really well given she was tagged by Meg McDonald, maybe not as hard as we'd seen in the preseason. But the fact that she's gone down potentially with an injury really opens up a world of possibilities for a team that was already in complete mayhem. I don't know about you guys, but I'm now more intently looking at the possibility of an, a Nikki Barr mm. at possibly even Alicia. Well, Alicia Eva, if she was someone that wasn't a midfield, but also Zali Goldsworthy, who had a great score and has actually looked really good after a massive stinker. Yeah, she has, hasn't she? <laughs> after I just traded her out. <laughs> yeah, she really has. 
I had Zali Goldsworthy and Paige Scott in Marrera's Magic, and I had a choice to make. Which one do I get rid of? And I held on to Zali Goldsworthy, and I think that that was a, a pretty excellent uh, choice for me. But I just think it's something worth flagging, particularly GWS, because that midfield, that's a lot of points and a lot of market share that's gone out the window. Elise Parker was already playing a little bit forward because they were down and short with injuries. Is there any other, anyone else that we should be thinking about who might get a boost as a result of a Parker injury? Ooh, I think the only other one that I can think of would be an Ellie Dalloway. Whether it's enough of a boost to be fantasy relevant, I'm not sold on, especially as a midfielder. Whoa, she's cheap. At this point, though, she is a downgrade. I don't know about you, but I've been watching. Ellie Dalloway has not been a midfielder for exactly. a lot of this season. And that's why it's the only person that might benefit from it, but... If she does move back into the midfield and does well next week, you're probably going to be able to get her as a, as a bargain next week anyway. So I think, yeah, I think I think Goldsworthy is the one in particular that I'm definitely looking at this week. I think the other one that I wanted to mention is Jody Hicks, who did spend 50% CBAs in the midfield against Melbourne. I don't have them for this week. She was actually down back a lot, but she might be another person they throw in there. There you go. GWS, watch and wait. <laughs> Moving on to our next segment around what we're going to do about some of these elites. So rattling through a few of the big names here, have they gone recently? Are they what we expect? What do we think they're going to do in the future? And if we have them, what do we do essentially? Or do we trade them in? So the first one always has to be Bowers. Unfortunately for a lot of us who traded her in, she had a very low week. And this is driven by not having as many tackles. Uh, She was really down to pretty much half. We know we've already spoken about the fact that she's going to keep losing money and someone like a Will who rightfully got to sit there smoking all weekend going, ah, my, my plan has worked. She will continue to lose more money and then if I choose, I can bring her in. But unfortunately, some of us paid up for her this week and are regretting it. I reckon since I've got her, you just kind of hold it. She is Bowers. She has down weeks, but a, a down week at 100 and something is, that's okay for me. I'll, I'll wait till she gets right back up there. Although I would note that she hasn't, she's only played two games, but she hasn't been particularly fantastic this season. So is this the the last season where Bowers is turbo? I'm not sure. Liam? Yeah, I think the only thing that makes me feel a little bit better about her relatively average score is that the tackles were down for Fremantle completely. And watching this game, it's because Hawthorne could not get to the ball first. Turbo had, I think, more clearances in this game than most other games she's had over the last couple of years and that's indicative of the fact that she was the one getting to the ball first in terms of like tackles around the contest megan kaufman who'd had double digit tackles the week before the week prior had two even though she had more midfield time with gabby o'sullivan going out so that should tell you about what happened in that game it wasn't like Fremantle did anything wrong or anything different it was just like a kicking game for days and like the the pace of Hawthorne's midfield was really slow. Yeah, which was really annoying for me because I was hoping that it would just be a tackle off between like a Batesy and the Bowers, but no. Oh, well. I mean, I was just going to say I was pretty happy with uh, Kiara Bowers' performance <laughs> because it... it... <laughs> Mel, we can edit Let him have his moment. This, the smug meter is off the charts here. Last week I said, you know what? I reckon there's still more money to drop. And then everyone was like, nah, you got to bring her in. Then you know what? 104 more money to drop. Mm. Liam, you disappeared for a couple of minutes on the last pod, but Will and I just spoke consistently about not bringing Bowers. 
Oh, no, I heard. I, I could hear all of it. Oh. I've got my wireless headphones in. I heard every second of that chat. But Bowers is someone that you trade her in yeah. once and then you don't trade yeah. her out unless for injury. And speaking of like anomalies and a couple of down weeks, we saw Robottom had a slow week. Um, pretty low scoring game overall. So probably once again a game thing rather than a player thing, which is good. Brings the question, though, if you don't already have her, is she still a trade-in target? Liam, you're trading her in this week? I'm definitely looking at trading her in. I like the fact that she held her market share percentage. She was still Gold Coast Sun's best scorer. And she's also coming up against the Western Bulldogs this week, who don't typically run a tag. And I don't believe there is anyone big enough to tag Charlie Robottom in that midfield, which is very young and very inexperienced Mm. outside of Lamb and Blackburn. We also saw another underperformance from Malloy, who had a very slow start to the game. Um, she, we do know that she was getting a, a tough tag by Cathy Spark, so we weren't expecting too much from her, and she did kind of bring it back, so it was okay. She does have a good run going forward, so I wonder, Will, you don't have Malloy. Is she a trade-in target for you? Definitely thinking about it. I think at the moment I'm probably leaning towards Goldsworthy just because she's cheaper. Malloy, I'm hoping, will just drop her a little bit more next week and I can maybe upgrade Hooker to her. Yeah, it, it, it's much of a muchness for me. I'm I'm still tossing up around those trays, and Malloy's definitely in my, in my uh, in the zone to be picked up. The problem you've got is Malloy goes up against West Coast this oh, week. Oh, that's definitely a sub forty score, I reckon. So, <laughs> you reckon Malloy's going to go sub forty against West because Coast because they'll sub her off at quarter time. Mm. Be like the cakewalk. Because they'll be like, we don't need you anymore. It's fine. We don't. We've already won. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's yeah, that's a good point. No, that's a good trade. Maybe I should yeah. trade her out too. Definitely. No, the, the one thing I really want to talk about from this is, like, Malloy, I had expectations it to be a low score, and that's because I knew that Brisbane are the toughest matchup for midfielders, but also in terms of defense versus position, so the idea of what do you score versus your average, Brisbane midfielders is the hardest matchup of any position for any team. The fact that Malloy scored below her score totally to be expected now the fact that Laura Gardner went 151 I'm still processing that because we've got a choice this week with Garner and Riddell Mel you and I were chatting before the start of the pod about why do we think that Svark has run such a heavy tag on Chloe Malloy when let's be frank here Brisbane were Hmm. never losing that game they could tag Chloe Malloy they could not tag Chloe Malloy they were never going to lose we think it could be as a warm-up for Jazz Garner, who is currently also on perfect coaches' votes, which means that for the AFLW MVP, she'll be on zero. But she is the most dominant player in the competition this year, both in fantasy and in real life. And I think that was a warm-up for Cathy Svark. A lot of people are asking about whether or not we should be trading in Garner this week. And I really don't... I don't know. I kind of put... Garner in the same bucket as a Bowers. She's one that you know, even if she has a down week, she's going to be fantastic. And I hear what you're saying about Brisbane, but I think that the player themselves still come above concepts to a team as a whole. And I say this knowing that I'm not someone with years of fantasy experience, but my gut still says Garner is still elite. And yes, she's playing a tough midfield and yes, she's going to get a tag, but they can probably figure out that that's going to happen in advance and either plan something around it. Like, this is not going to be a shock. You've also got the Riddell option as a trade-in if you think the tag's totally going to go to Ghana. I think Ghana is one that, yeah, okay, she's expensive. She's very expensive. You can probably only afford either Bowers or Ghana if you're going to trade in one this week or probably one in your team in total by now unless you've got some funky other lines going on. But do I think she's still a target to trade in? 
yeah, she's great. She's got the most consistent, highest averaging. Like we've seen some people pull out some big scores. She's been consistently great. She has been regardless of team structures and who they've played in the past. I My problem is I just don't think North are going to score that many points in total. I think you're going to see down weeks for everyone. And the thing that makes me most concerned about Jazz Garner is that I would say the player that Kathy Spark has tagged very consistently consistently that plays the most like Jazz Garner like she is now, and I know it's not the same, is Elise Parker. And Elise Parker's worst scores in each of the last three seasons, and I know she didn't do it last year, but that's because there was no tag, is when she goes up against Kathy Spark. Because Kathy Spark is one of the few people that is fast enough and strong enough to run with and truly impact Jazz Garner. Jazz Garner did struggle once last season against Meg McDonald, and Meg McDonald has the strength, but not the endurance. And once Jazz Garner figured that out, she had that massive score in a final against Richmond. I can see that you're planning to trade out Waddell this week. Do you have Garner as well, or are you just trading out your North midfielder for this reason? In my current trade plans, I'm trading out Riddell Mm. because I think I've got the value that I wanted from her. She's gone and risen a whole bunch of cash. She's priced well above what she started the year at, even if you factor in longer games. This is a really tough matchup. I think the player that most replicates what I would expect her to do in terms of scoring impact is Erin Phillips. I know they play very differently game styles, but they both make uh, a lot of their possession, a lot of points this year from their marks and their tackles when they've been playing well. Mm. Riddell had a down week for those this week. Yeah. I have a bad feeling the same thing is going to happen this week. I agree with you on the Riddell point. When I saw her, I started with her. When I saw her 100 and 151, I was like, this is way better than I ever expected from Riddell. Like, I thought she'd be good. I didn't think she'd be that good. I was like, she's made a bunch of money. This probably as good as it gets. (laughs) So I traded her out ahead of last week. Um, And I think that if you haven't already, all of the reasons that we did for for talking about trading her out last week are just magnified with the kind of the points that you mentioned for this week. Okay. Will, any comments on the North girls? The, the Garner one is an interesting one because if, if you go back through Garner's historical stats, she has struggled against Brisbane, highest score of 82. And I think just uh, 250s in a row, I think that even for like someone like Kiara Bowers and Jazz Garner, we know they can score that big, but going that big that many times in a row is difficult, especially now that she's coming up against a tough matchup. I just wonder if you can maybe hold off a week, let her score what is very very likely to be a lower score regardless she's probably not going to go up a heap of money and she's at that price now where basically if you can afford her you can afford her you know i think it's not the worst idea to just let it sit for another week and maybe target her next the week after marinoff and hatchard we saw them swapping around a lot last season of which of these uh adelaide midfielders takes out the big points um so far i think we've seen marinoff marinoff and then hatchard coming through last week which was exciting i think if you've got either of these girls you're keeping them just because it's always good to have a, one of these two Adelaide midfielders in your side. Agreed. If you don't have either one of them, bringing in Hatchard now probably feels a little bit risky given that that is by far her biggest score and she's just come off a big price jump. If you don't have either and you're looking to bring one in, probably Marinoff. I know a lot of people seem to trade her out a couple of weeks ago or so. So if you do still have her, I think that's definitely one to hold. The thing that I'm really interested in instead of going a row bottom, is actually going to Hatchard because of her upcoming run. She goes up against GWS this week, who I think we, as much as Annalise Lister is kind of running around as a tag, I don't know if she's got the, the marking capacity to really stop 
uh, Hachi, and then goes up against the uh, Suns. Now, Suns uh, will run Lucy single as a tag, and we'll talk about tags in a second, but even then, teams are managing to score pretty well against the Suns, irrespective of the tag, and then finally ends that run going up against the Bulldogs. So does have a good enough run coming up and is much cheaper than the kind of top three or four premium mid that she's been in the past. So definitely one that I'm keeping tabs on to sort of time trading her in for that like mega score. Last week was great. She did actually cop a stoppage tag in the first quarter from Jean Nanscorn and it was a couple of Bombers injuries that stopped that from being able to continue and that's when she went big and kicked some goals and Adelaide mm. got on top. But I really do think that we need to be keeping our eyes on Anne Hatchard going forward because she's only 10% owned inside the top 1,000. I like it. And Davey. So had a slightly lower game this week of 88, but still up there. She had a great round one because she had a lot of kicks. And then she had a great round two because she had a lot of tackles. So she's kind of swapping between the, the part of her uh, the scoreboard that's getting her to score. And then she had a low lower week this week because she was tagged by a single. My question is, do we think that this fluctuation in what's driving her scoring is a systemic issue saying stay away, or do we think it's uh, a single specific, <laughs> a single instance of... It's a singular, singular issue. A singular issue here that's just caused a down round, but she's still one to be holding on to. Will? I think that the fact that she scored an 88 while being tagged, and the 88 was the second highest score of the mm, game, true. suggests to me that... I don't think there's too much to worry about here. The thing about Brie Davey, as you mentioned, great on kicks, great on tackles. One of the things about Brie Davey that makes her such a dynamic player is she can literally do it all. Like, we talk a lot about Kiara Bowers. It's all about tackles with Kiara Bowers. She gets a lot of kicks, of course. But one of the things that makes Brie Davey such such an amazing player is she is very diverse in how she can score. She can mark, she can kick, she can tackle. Got a goal on the weekend. Can, can definitely kick a goal. My take on this one is saying, damn, she scored an 88 while having Lucy Single following her around the entire game. That's pretty good. Yes, it's probably going to... The only reason I'd be trading her out this week is if you can go straight up to a Bowers, if you can go straight up to a Marinoff or a Prasparkas, someone like that. It's genuinely probably now a luxury trade if you want to trade out Davy. If you don't have the ability to move on Davy, I wouldn't be worried. I think if you've got Davy at the moment or you're trading her in, you're looking at round six, uh, that matchup against Brisbane as a possible launching point. And then mm. I think yeah. that, again, that'll be a spark tag. And I think by then she'll probably have made all the money that she's going to make. So that's essentially... It's a good time. Perfect point, as you say, Liam, to be that launch pad where you can move her straight up. You're probably fine keeping her this week. They're playing St Kilda. I can't see that being too difficult a matchup for it in terms of scoring even if there is a bit of a tag so i don't think it's a, a risky play to keep her put it that way given her kind of dominance round one she actually almost announced herself on too big a stage too early to make herself this tag target every single week she didn't get the benefit of like i'm gonna build into my game i mean yes and no i mean she's a w award winner who was the best player in the competition so i think that i think a lot of people are jumping saying oh is she a tag target now i'm like she was always a tag target so <laughs> yeah obviously obviously you kind of everything yeah. has a game plan that needs to be prioritized it became at number one priority when she literally tore yeah. apart an entire half against the running premiers to the point where they looked entirely beatable she announced herself yeah. very loudly and will cop tags from everyone. But yeah, yeah I agree. On St Kilda, Priesty's not going to do that much to stop her. Okay, Liam, did you want to talk through a couple of the 
names that we're seeing of people that are tagging? Yes. So this was a question that came through to us, and I feel like it's relevant. We've kind of been talking about the elite premium midfielders, but we're getting to the stage now where we're seeing who are the taggers this season and who are the ones that are really having an impact on scores. So the number one worst option to see on the team sheet against you is Lucy Single. She has the size. She's 175 centimeters, and she's a former endurance runner. And she has the ability, just enough of an ability to beat you the other way to keep you accountable running back as a defender. So she's now had some really tough matchups. She tagged Emma Swanson really well. She did keep Mimi Hill and Amy Mackay both around 80s or below in their matchup against uh, the Suns up against Carlton. And then she had Bree Davey this week. Now, Bree Davey scored pretty well for the entire game, but... I also think that part of the reason why there were not many big scores overall was because Bree Davy couldn't take a hold and just dominate and accumulate like she can. So I think she's the most dangerous tagger. Secondly, wasn't going to be anywhere near this high on the list until we saw what she did against Malloy, and that's Kathy Spark, who hadn't really been tagging that much this year, but she put a bloody lock on her, and it was taking every bit of speed and like maneuverability from Chloe Malloy, like literally sprinting through stoppages to try and break the Spark tag, and even then was struggling to score points. Next one is Meg McDonald, who was last year's number one most impactful tag. Now, Richmond this week have Carlton, so not exactly something we need to necessarily be too concerned about. But in terms of things looking forward, I don't know if it's going. I don't know if they would tag Kiara Bowers, and in terms of their next most important matchups, not till round six when they go up against. Uh, Charlie Robottom and the Suns, but another impactful tagger. And then the fourth one to mention is Hayley Miller, who Mel is one of your favorite players and one of the pod's favorite players, but she's been cast in this more negating run with role. We saw it against Emily Bates on the weekend. Mm. It wasn't a great scoring performance from Batesy, and part of that is because um, Hayley Miller is such a good endurance runner, and she's really having an impact on scoring. In terms of players that that's going to impact in the next few weeks, I don't know if uh, Maddie Prasparkas is particularly highly owned, but I have a feeling that is someone who is definitely going to see their score drop. And then Monconti in round five, mm. which will be an absolutely scintillating matchup to watch and will probably mute both of their scoring. So yes, those are the kind of four most, I'd say, impactful tags. And then if I think if the Bombers keep using Georgia Nanskorn as a stoppage tagger, don't be surprised if you see that that player also scores worse because G will beat them to the ball or tackle them a lot. Yep. Okay. So that was a lot of names, but some very concerning ones there. So <laughs> uh, I do appreciate this new, this new segment called, oh no, <laughs> there are taggers coming. <laughs> Singular issues. <laughs> oh no, watch uh... out. Great. Watch out. Um, speaking of great names for segments, love it or delister it. This is where we're going to give a statement. Liam and I had to workshop exactly how we framed this for about 10 minutes before. because so I was like, I cannot wrap my head around this. A statement and then someone chooses whether they would, whether they love that statement or they delister it so they hate it, which is a pun on love it or list it, the TV show. So, I'm going to throw to Liam for this one just because I know how this is going to play out. Targeting Ghana over Bowers. Love it or delister it? It's a delister for me. And just before we go too far, shout out to JD uh, on Twitter and on the Discord for 
sending across a very crudely done but very, very funny Photoshop image of Annalise Lister's face over the TV show logo, which I found very funny. Nice. Don't like the idea of going Ghana this week. Bowers this week up against Essendon and a very, very small ground at Windy Hill. Not like North Sydney Oval small, but definitely a smaller ground. I can see her scoring really well. Nice. Will? Yeah, I think it's a tough one for me. I think both of them are, like, whoever you pick's probably going to be sitting in your team for your rest of the team. So it is literally a, a gamble on how you think. I think it's much of a muchness over the next couple of weeks. So probably just slightly towards Bowers, but who knows? Yep. Either way, they're a keeper once they're in. <laughs> so, so make the decision once. Trading in if you don't have her or keeping Jordan Allen. Will? I've traded her out and until at least one of Slasher or Butler returns, which may, mm. from the sounds of it, not be for quite a while. I just don't love the role that she's having to play because she is having to really sit back. The reason she was such a great player and in our defensive lines last year was because she was playing up the ground on the wing. If the other two players that I just mentioned get back into the team and that role returns, she might be a discount pick late in the season. But for now, I probably wouldn't be going for Geordie Allen. Nice. We've got putting either T. Smith or G. Nans on field. I'm going to go love it. And actually, Pokénolos... Wow, I'm so good with Pokénolos speaks Spanish. dos. Why not just put both on your field, which is what I'm currently planning to do with my trade so far from earlier today. If I'm going to get someone expensive in for my midfield, I might as well put them too because I have had enough of sitting there watching the one that's on my bench scoring huge scores. She's either usually the the other one that's not. But last week it was both and I'm like, I'm just going to commit to this. I wouldn't be trading them out for the money because no one else is scoring as high as them. So I'm just going to keep them and put them both on my field. Love it. Liam? Yeah, I also love it. I think you could do it with either of them. I think that I really liked what I saw from Tiana Smith, though. She looked back to her best, and off the top of my head, they don't have a particularly bad run coming up either. So St Kilda have Collingwood this week, which I see as just being an opportunity for bulk tackles. Then they go up against the Bulldogs, which I also see as an opportunity for tackles. And then she goes up against Hawthorne, who I don't think St. Kilda is as good as Fremantle. So I feel like that Hawthorne and St. Kilda play will be close to the ball. And so therefore, I think it'll be good for tackles. Did someone say tackles? I'm loving what I see from T. Smith. Um, I've got her on field as well. Then the last one we've got here, targeting too good over Hawthorne. The, uh, mm. Who are you going to throw that to, Mel? Or is that just a, it Me. stumped you? I, I'm i going to throw it to Mel. I, I <laughs> dear Lister, it. I think you should go Hoare. I think she has a better team with high potential of scoring more goals. I think she's shown that she's a, like just switched on this season and ready to rock and roll. She's probably more expensive, but I pick Hoare. Definitely more expensive. So... Bonnie Toogood, 1.1 and a little bit, and then 1.18 for Kate Hoare. I actually love it because I think that Bonnie Toogood is a real point of difference, and for all the same reasons that I said Anya Tiger at the start of the episode is a great pick. Bonnie Toogood is the same. She has a role that doesn't matter if the Bombers are doing well, are equal, or are doing poorly. She will be around the ball, and her set. she has taken, I think, 10 contested marks already this season. The most anyone has had in the season before, I think, is 12. Or her best is 12 before. So she is in a rich vein of form. 
She looks incredible. She is the captain, so she gets to put herself in the position that will have the most impact. And funnily enough, that's around the ball, the Bombers. And I'd just like to give a quick shout-out. Hopefully our good mate Ed is listening to this because he will be tearing his hair out at what Liam just said because Liam told him before the season not to pick too good. And uh, <laughs> that has that has backfired for him. Not for Liam because Liam's now on the ball, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm eating crow on this 100%. I was having a chat with this on Bales on his space uh, last night. But yeah, I did not think that Bonnie would be would be doing well on this. But I misjudged the, how often she would get thrown behind the ball. And that's truly the kind of force multiplier that takes that like 70-ish that she scored last year and, and makes it that 100. Quick whip around on the captain's corner, Liam. Didn't get to do one last week. Would you like to run us... A- Yes, I can run you through the captain's corners. So first thing we're going to do is thanks to Bit in that on uh, uh, Twitter and his website, who's got all of the top captains for this week. So the top captain selection. So a lot of people went Bowers for 104. I know I had. Mel, did you have that as well? Yes. I wasn't going to ask Will because I've had enough of Smug for this evening. Nothing. <laughs> and then the next one was Georgie. Georgie P who was looking like she was on for an absolute worldie in the first half. Off the top of my head, I think she only, yeah, only 108. So really didn't burn a lot of the people that didn't own her, but it's not like she had a bad score uh, and was definitely someone that... Second half didn't happen. Second half. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. The second half just didn't happen for anyone in that game. And so Jasmine Garner was the true uh, elite pick for this week. She had nine, nearly 10% of people in the top 1,000 had her as captain. And you know what? I'm really envious of that because she was bloody ridiculously good and was very popular as well. Ebony Marinoff had a 125. She looked good. And then Bree Davey was the real flop of the top five captains at 3.5%. So a decent number of people inside the top 1,000 went with her and ended up with a score below 90. So that was a, a, a really, really rough one. Uh, in terms of uh, the players that I'd named for captain, I had gone turbo as number one, and that didn't go particularly well. And I only had Garner at four beneath both Charlie Robottom and Ebony Marinoff. So didn't exactly nail it this week. The only question this week is how high do I put Laura Gardner? Can she go number one captain? Mm. Up against West Coast? She's top five for certainty. It's just where. Yeah. And it's you're able to loop if you have Kiara Bowers as well. You can run Gardner as a VC. So that's my real conundrum this week. And yeah, I haven't nailed that. I, I, I think it's going to still take a lot for me to push Turbo out of one. I think yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a real fascinating week this week. Awesome! Well, wow, that was another really big episode because there's just so much to be talking about. There were even some questions that we didn't get to talk about. A couple of good ones around defenders and whatnot, which Liam and the Free Kick account, which is also largely Liam, will be answering on Twitter uh, over the course of the week. Keep the, keep the curtain <laughs> closed. It's the whole team that controls the Twitter account. Thank you very much. It's actually a chat bot. Is yes. the uh, Free Kick account? <laughs> Yeah, nice. Um, so, yeah, if you have more questions or if you want to see our answer to any of the questions that didn't get discussed today, um, you can follow us on Twitter as FreeKickWPod and also for Insta as FreeKickWPod. Where can they find you, Liam? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LiamAFLWFantasy. Will? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at 
Will H underscore VI. And you can find me on Insta and Twitter as HiMLD. Awesome. Well, we'll chat to you all next week then. Catch you next time. All right. See ya. Bye.